Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D.com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. to talk today about the Father, the Son, who is the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, or if you just want to turn in your devices, let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. 1 John 5, 7. I'm going to talk a lot about today about your identity in Christ, who you are, and who's God, who God called you to be. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, we're told that we're the children of God. And... Uh, you know, how many know my childhood has been gone for a long time? You know? <laughs> but I, whenever I read the word children in the Bible, I automatically adapt it to sons and daughters of God. That's who we are, God's sons and daughters. And I want to talk about sonship today. Sonship, which is a part of our new covenant promise. One of the many promises that we have in the new covenant. But First John 5, 7... It says, for these are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Amen? How many know all three of them have bore witness already on the earth? When Jesus was on the earth, how many know that God was in Christ? It says in 2 Corinthians that God was hid in Christ when Jesus was here on the earth. So we can go into a lot of stuff on that, but I'm not going to get too lost in that thought. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, which we were singing about quite, quite a lot today, about all things work together. That's in Romans 8. Did you know that? Yeah, 828. Who said that? Oh, Tammy. Okay. Romans 828 we were singing. Now let's go to Romans 8.14. 8.14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen? Now let's go to verse 19 in Romans 8.19. It says, For the earnest expectation... Of the creation, that's us, we're the creation. We eagerly wait, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So if there's anything the creation around us is waiting for, it's waiting for us to identify as sons and daughters of God. To really believe it, that we're sons of God. Male and female, we're sons. Male and female, we're both sons. Amen? And then verse 29, Romans 8, 29. It said, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? The image of his son. So if there's anything God wants us to look like or be like or behave like, it's Jesus. To be like Jesus. And for a lot of people, that's a, that's a, lot of, that's a hard sell. You know, it's a hard deal. So it just, but it's everything is progressive in our lives. We, you know, we start out as young disciples in Christ, as students. The word disciple means a student, a learner. We learn, we're students, but that's not where we stay. We have to move up to be mature sons and daughters of God. And that's his, it's, and it's a progression. It was even a progression in Jesus' life. It says that Jesus increased in stature and in wisdom as he grew, as he had more revelation of the Father because he forfeited a lot of that when he came to earth, but he learned how, and we're going to learn, we're going to hear this today, 
Jesus learned how to be in both realms at the same time. He knew how to be in heaven, and he knew how to be on earth at the same time. While his body was on earth and his soul was on earth, his spirit was in heaven. So that's how he was able to see what the Father was doing at all times. The Father never gave him a list of things that he should do for the day. The Father just said, watch me, and whatever I do, you do, because you're my son. And that's what God wants each of us to do. He wants us to be so connected with him in a relationship, heaven and earth, that we can see what the Father is doing. And that's a big thing, learning to see, to see what the Father does. Because we're, we're prone to be good seers of what's happening right here in this earth. And sometimes that's sometimes difficult because a lot of people still walking around dumbfounded and blind. You know, they're just not. And actually, the Bible says you cannot see the kingdom until you're born again in John 3. No man has the ability to see the kingdom unless they're born again. So, but it just said, he also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8, 29, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, many men of brethren. That's us. So he was first, but we're following in his steps. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. So each one of you in this room is called. There is no doubt you're called. Whom he called, these he also justified. How were we justified? By the finished work of the cross. His finished work, dying out for our sins, finished everything for us. Amen? And these, these he also glorified. And for a lot of us, that might be a stretch to understand too, but it's, it's true. It's true. Amen? Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. King James, and we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26, it says, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We are all children. As soon as we're born again, we become his children. We're clueless when we first get born again. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I was clueless for a long time. But the Lord never let me go. He kept bringing me closer and closer to my understanding. For as many of you who have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's a hard sell for a lot of people because we have a lot of churches, even in this area, that if you're a woman, you'll never touch the pulpit in their church. Because they don't believe a woman should ever touch a pulpit. Lots. And a lot of people and a lot of followers who follow those leaders believe it. They believe it. They believe they should be just doing certain things, menial things in the church as servants. And they don't see themselves even as sons. They see themselves as servants. Because they're taught to be servants by leadership. So that's how they operate their lives. But guess what? God loves them. And God loves the, all the people that he died for. You know, and then all of them I have an awakening when they get to heaven. But they'll be saying, why didn't we learn this stuff from our pastor when we were on earth? Now, because he didn't want you to know. Because <laughs> he knows if you know too much, you might not sit under him anymore. You might, might go do, do your old thing and have your own following. And that's very, very bad for his industry. He's got to be able to pay for his industry. And if you ever want to know what that means, come and see me. For, and in verse 20 says, and if you be Christ, and verse 20 says, and then if you be Christ, then you are also Abraham's seed. So all the promises of Abraham that were given into Christ are ours as well. So if you read your Bible in the book of Genesis and, things, and all the promises that God made to Abraham, not only are your prom, the Christ his promises, but all of Abraham are our promises as well. And I'll tell you what, that's, that can be quite exhaustive. And heirs according to the promise. And then Galatians 4.1. Now I say that the heir, how many know we're a part of the Air Force of Christ? Not the A-I-R, but the H-E-I-R. That the heir, as long as he is a child, differ nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time approved of the Father. And even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but... When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. So there was a pre, there was a shadow 
way before there was a substance. And before the, see, the, all the Old Testament and the Old Covenant was just a shadow of what was coming. The substance was in Christ. Christ fulfilled everything. He is everything. He fulfills it all. Amen? Made of a woman, made under the law, verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. This is where we have to come to. This is where we have to mature to, to believing that you're a son of God. You have to believe it. Not easy, not easy, but you have to do it. And because you are sons, verse 6, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, actually saying, Daddy, calling your father, Daddy. Now, I've, I've been in s- several, and I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes. I've been in several healing sessions with people who have very bad memories of their father, very terrible memories. Whenever they're led into healing about that fatherlessness, Many of them, and I mean many, and I've, I've been in a room where hundreds, hundreds could not ever call their father daddy because of woundedness and pain from the past. I mean, I've seen it. I've heard it. I've been there. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. In verse 7, let's go to verse 7 here. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant. That's why I use this version. This translation, because a lot of versions don't use the word servant. Okay, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then you are a heir of God through Christ. Everything that Jesus got, you have. Not only... Did you get what Jesus got? You got what Abraham, because Abraham's seeds and seeds went into Christ, and Christ went into us. Amen? So that's what it says in that translation. So we are all sons and daughters of God. Amen? Who have an inheritance here and now, and are in training in the family business called the kingdom of God. Amen? How many know we're a part of the family business? And we're the sons that are supposed to be taking care of the kingdom down here while God's, you know, doing other things. And as sons, we're included in the divine circle of relationship that is Father, Son, and Spirit reconnected to our true reality to God, which was his, always his original intention. We are God's original design. For our destiny and identity is what God wants us to understand and know. See, the reason much of the church still struggles with this reality is their true identity as sons and daughters is because we have a generation of people who are fatherless. I don't know if you know this or not, but on on days when Mother's Day come and and people are in prisons and they want want cards for their mothers, they, they can't keep up with the supply of prisoners, male prisoners who want to give their mothers a Mother's Day card. But when it comes to Father's Day, whether it's a male or female present, it doesn't matter. Nobody wants a card to give a card to their father because everybody's dealing with a father woundedness. They haven't forgiven their father. And their father, no father's perfect. No human is perfect. Amen? And we all need forgiveness if we're going to operate in this world. And we have to learn to be very good forgivers. Especially if we're married. It takes two great forgivers to be married. And I mean every day. My wife and I still forgive one another at least. You know, I, I don't have enough fingers. I'd show you. But. So we need to have a new level of relationship with the Father if we are going to be the true sons and daughters of God. <laughs> because sonship is a state of being included in the circle of relationship that is all Father, Son, and Spirit. He wants us included in that relationship. He wants to bring us into that circle. Sonship is the state of being reconnected to our true identity of God's original intention for our identity and destiny in Christ. And this is not a matter of theory, but of experience. I'm telling you, we need some experiences in Christ. We do. We need to have experiences. It's not enough just to have the mind engaged. 
There's a lot of scriptures in the book of Revelation that are very symbolic that says the best thing we do can do is cut off our heads and put it under the altar. You know, because how many sometimes your head gets you in trouble? And sometimes you can get so educated that you can't, you're no good. I mean, I've seen it here in, in Lakewood. When I first came to Lakewood, there was a church here at Disciples of Christ Church right on Detroit. They had 1,800 members, and the guy was a Ph.D. seven times over. You know what Ph.D. stands for, piled high and deep. You know, so he was so intelligent, so smart, that the people in the church couldn't relate to him. And when he tried to teach them and help them, he could, they, they didn't understand him. And in a matter of, the, the matter of four or five years that I was here in the city, the church went from 1,800 members to zero. They literally, if, if you go down in Detroit, I could show you where it was. The church building is not even there. They demolished it. They tore it, they tore it down. So I'm not saying that you just throw your mind away. I'm just saying let's balance it out. Because <coughs> we gain practice through what we experience. I'll never, I'll never regret my experiences that I've had with the Lord. Never. I've had some incredible experiences that I remember to this day as if they were yesterday. But we need to go deeper into intimacy with God. And one of the ways we do that is through praise and worship. When we praise and worship, it's an automatic way. And I, I see I see sometimes, as because I'm the pastor, I'll look around and some people, they'll be struggling to go into praise and worship. They can't do it. It's like... It's hard for them to praise and worship because they don't understand. They don't understand relationship. Praise and worship is all about intimacy. Into me see. And a lot of people don't want God getting too close. They're like people who want us to tell Moses when Moses went up to the you know to the mountain with all the people, they can't and then and the God, you know, appeared in the cloud and the fire and the thunder. The next time they went to the, the mountain to go see God, they said, Moses, you go get the message, bring it down to us, we'll stay down here. <laughs> because we don't want that into me see stuff. So you gotta have a heart that's willing to get there. We need to go deeper in God himself. There's more. There's much more. I mean, I've gotten a lot in Christ in 30-some years, but 38 years, but I'll tell you, there's more. Deeper in the truth of Jesus, deeper into revelation, higher into the creative light realms of heaven, into the heart mind of Christ outside of time and space. See, God is calling us to be his forerunners. And we are a remnant here at this church. We're small. But let you know, we're mighty. We're mighty. We're a mighty group of people. Jesus said, where two or three gather in his name, he's there in the midst. Jesus doesn't need 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 25,000 to be popular. He said, where two or three gather in my name, I'm there. Amen? See, people who are called to go somewhere and say to those who... Yet don't know, hey, it's great over here. Don't you want to come over here with us? Because what's happening over here is fun. It's exciting. And God always surprises us. How many know God always surprises us? And God is calling his children to come out of the wilderness. He's calling us, his son, to cross over into to a supernatural inheritance beyond the veil. When Jesus died on the cross, he ripped and tore the veil in pieces. And the veil is torn open for us to come into a different realm, into a different dimension of our relationship <coughs> with God and into the realm of heaven itself. But religion will tell you that you can't go to heaven until you die, or at least have a near-death experience. But it's just not true. Heaven is real, and we can be in two realms at the same time because Jesus was. Let's go to John chapter 3, 13. Uh, he's talking to Nicodemus, verse 9. And, God's, and Jesus is talking about being born of the Spirit. And he, 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 he sort of makes it sound like how it's about the wind. So, so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. End of verse eight, 9. And then Jesus asks Nicodemus, are you a teacher of Israel? 
and do not know these things? Huh? Hello? Huh? I mean, I know some big, I know some pastors got big churches, but they don't know. They don't want to go deeper. They want to stay at surface level. And they want to keep all their people at servant level because they want servants. They don't want sons. But the Bible tells us to mature to sons, to be sons and daughters of God, to be a part of the family business, to be with the kingdom of God. Amen? And I'm telling you what, I believe we're in that time where that stuff is being unveiled. In verse 11, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. <clears throat> and you do not receive our witness. Nikki, Nikki boy. <laughs> verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? We got a lot of people in the church that don't want to hear this stuff. They don't. They don't want to hear heavenly things. They want to stay on one level, linear level. We have the world has a different word for them, but I won't use it here. Verse 13, no man has ascended to heaven, but he, big he there, Jesus, who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven at all times. We can be in heaven at all times. Just have to believe. I mean, the only thing that prohibits us is the thing between our two ears. Our inability to think. See, as sons, we engage in heaven while here on earth. And he's calling us, his sons and daughters, into deeper levels of intimacy, calling us <coughs> all to know him by experience, not just intellect. And I'm not saying you don't need to have intellect. I'm saying you do. You have to have an intellect to read the scripture. But it takes the spirit to believe it. It takes the Holy Spirit and takes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many people need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit that are still not and still make fun of it, say that it's of the devil. There's Christian churches here in our city that say that, that if you speak in tongues, you're of the devil. Well, guess what? I'm not, and I speak in tongues more than ye all. Amen? <clears throat> That doesn't mean you have to throw your mind out the window and you don't have to try to understand everything, but it's training your right brain with the left brain. I mean, we got a lot of left brain thinkers. And when they, if you want my personal opinion, the only way you can understand the Holy Spirit is with the right brain. But if you refuse that, well, I'm just letting you know God still loves you. But there's so much more. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. This is for, <clears throat> help you along a little bit here. Right after Psalms, there's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I think we sang about this song today. I think the girls sang about it in the song that they sang to us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, but what does the second half say? Lean not upon or lean not on your own understanding. Okay, see, to be honest, I've tried too hard to understand virtually my whole life. I use my understanding to figure everything out, even my relationship with God, and eventually, like Sandra McCollum, who wrote, I tried till I almost died. I just gave up trying. I fought demons for years. I thought that was the way to get things to happen in the city. And I found out, I got two scriptures. I found one in 1 John 3, 8, and I found another one in Hebrews 2, 14 that says the devil's already defeated. I says, well, who started this program? Who brought this down the pike and... All the Christians just fell in love with the teaching. And the Bible says something totally different. Now, we got a lot of Christians, lots of Christians, who still believe devils are their enemy. 
He's not my enemy. The devil's not in the kingdom of God. And I live in the kingdom of God. And if I live in the kingdom of God, the devil can't get in there. But the only problem I do have is the flesh. Amen? That crummy old flesh that has a voice and likes religion, but don't like Jesus. The Bible says the flesh is at war, at conflict with God. So if you get up, you know, on a, if, you, if you're getting ready to go to church or whatever, and I mean, you don't have to wait till you get up for church. You can just, about 11 o'clock the night before, the flesh will start talking to you about, oh, you worked so hard this week. I think tomorrow you should sleep in. You know, it's, it's, it's the best time just to sleep in and last. You know God loves you. You know, you know God loves you. He cares about you. He's not, he's not taking your grade or he's not worried about your behavior. I, I, I'm just telling you what I, what I deal with. Um, but like I said to the Lord this morning, I have to go. I'm the pastor. Just teasing, just teasing. I worked on this sermon all week. Did most of it on Tuesday and Monday. But not this morning. But I just want to experience everything I need to know will be revealed to me. But I'm not going to be trying to find it for myself. See, as God's sons and daughters, we must learn to engage in four dimensions. Say four dimensions. The first dimension that we all live on is called the earth. How many were living here on the earth? Sense, you know, five senses. Eyes, nose, ears, smell. The physical realm here and now. But as we live in the spiritual realm of an open heaven in Christ, it's here all the time. We just don't engage it. Another dimension is engaging our spirit and heart because God comes to dwell within us, the place of fellowship and relationship, so we can engage God in us experientially all the time if we want to. It's there. It's available. Because the veil is torn. I, I just, I cringe when I still hear Christians praying, Oh God, open, open the heavens over us. Well, it happened at the cross. The veil was torn. We're going to be like the Jewish people of Jesus' day and try to sew it back together? Because that's what they did. <laughs> they said, we can't let nobody in. They'll find out who is the guy behind It's making all the prophecies. They'll see us. Remember the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> Don't look at the curtain. Don't look behind. See, and the third, third dimension is engaging in heavenly realms in the Father's garden and any other places he may take us. I mean, God is the God of the universe. He's not the God of... I mean, I... I, I mean, I love my Bible. I love it day and night. I love it. But boy, sometimes, I don't know, what did, what did they do before the Bible was ever printed? What did the early disciples do? I mean, they, they just had some ugly scrolls and even know if, where they were half the time. How did they manage in the book of Acts? What did they depend on? Being led by the Spirit. Let's teach the church to be led by the Spirit. That will solve a lot of problems. Amen? <laughs> Engage God's heart in eternity, the fourth dimension, outside of time and space. I mean, no, God's not. I mean, he's here in us, and he's always with us, but he's still everywhere because he created it all. And when we engage the Father in these four dimensions, it creates a window through which eternity, which was before there was, can manifest here and now and create what will be. It says in Romans 2, speaking those things as though, as though they're not as they are. Speak. Amen. Speak to those things, though they're not. So the end and the beginning will be in agreement, and history will unfold in alignment with the heart of the Father. See, the cry of the Father's heart is to unveil, is to reveal is to release his sons and daughters into their full and glorious identity inheritance as mature sons and daughters of God in Christ. I wish I could tell you all this stuff. I know I just can't. 
I just can't. Because it's, I just can't. I got to check. I got I to gotta be good. <laughs> but Jesus described people as sons of God and said we were to be like him. And as his sons, we carry his heart, his reflection, his purposes to help others connect with him and become mature even in their own sonship. We're supposed to tell everybody in the church that they're sons. We had a real powerful lady, and you know Vontaine. A lot of you know Vontaine Smith. Two, three years ago, I told her, you have an, apost- an apostle's gift to the city, Vontaine, and you need to be ordained to be an apostle. And she says, who's going to ordain me? I said, I will. I said, I'll do it. That was, it took her three years to come back to me and say, okay, I'm ready. You can ordain me. And guess what she's doing? She's operating in that gift all over the city, leading intercessors, leading prayer movements, all across the city, gathering leadership to come together. And she's powerful. See, again, in John 3, 13, Jesus stated that he lived in two realms at the same time to show us that we could too. We can too. Say, I can too. There's three of us that believe it. (laughs) The Bible says that we are a three-part being. We're spirit, soul, and body. And my body may be here, but my spirit can be somewhere else. It can, and so can my soul. I've had experiences where I've been in Ohio preaching, and somebody will see me in California at another meeting at the exact same time that I'm here. Not once, not twice, many times. I don't know if you remember back when we started in the realm of the Spirit and we were moving in the Spirit when we were worshiping at Clarence, on Clarence, at the Lutheran Church on the corner of Clarence and Madison. And we had a breakout of revival and, you know, we used to have really crazy meetings. I mean, unusual. You know, how many of God's unusual? How many of God does unusual things? How many of God knows you're unusual? <laughs> but anyway... This guy from California calls me. He says, I saw you on TV. I says, how? I says, ain't nobody in it. We, that was way before smartphones and video and Facebook. Way before. There was no Facebook. There was nobody with smartphones, video, and anything. He says, I saw you at 2 in the morning on TV and the revival that's breaking out in your church in Lakewood, Ohio. I want to know if I can come and visit your church. I said, our doors are open every Sunday. I'm just trying to get the people that left to come back. They they don't even want to believe it. When they experience something of God, they go, what's that? That's scary. (laughs) Or they leave quick. They come in and enjoy the worship and jump out. You know, hit, hit the road. But we, we had an experience, I don't know if some of you were there, when we were at the other Lutheran church on where Bob Kistemaker is now, on the corner there of, uh, what's that street? Manor Park and Detroit. One Sunday, I was preaching the gospel, and we had two Irish setters walk up the back steps, sit, sit in the back by the back pew and listen to me preach. The whole sermon they listened. And when I said amen... They both got up and walked out all by themselves. Nobody was with them. Two Irish setters looked identical. Could have been angels. Amen? I still wonder. I said, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll get the answer. Boy, I tell you, that's unusual. But this is the aspect of learning to live as Jesus did. I believe if, Jesus, if everything was written about Jesus that he did, we'd be like, really? How do, how do you go to the mountains and pray all night and not get attacked by animals? Jesus went to the mountains by himself and prayed all night to the Father. 
I think at those moments he left his body and angels guarded his body as he went up to heaven and talked to God, talked to his father, which I believe is possible for anybody. The problem, we don't try it too much. But this is how Jesus was able to see what the Father was doing at all times. It's not that the Father would give Jesus a list every day. No, he had a relationship of intimacy with the Father. And that is really what he wants us to develop, our relationship with the Father. Are we willing to pursue it like Jesus did? I am. Are you? Someone once said pursuit is the evidence of desire. Pursuit is the evidence of desire. See, when we truly desire something, we will pursue it. Amen? I know my wife, when she wants a pair of new shoes, she pursues it. And you want to know how I know my wife likes shoes? Because she got read the riot act by my granddaughter when they went shopping yesterday. And they went into the store to buy some stuff. She went in some store with her, her granddaughter, nine years old. And as she's walking through the store, Anna says, Grandma, keep your eyes away from the shoes. Do not look over there. Stay focused on me <laughs> and why we're here. We're not shopping. We're not doing Christmas shopping for others. We're here for one purpose. <laughs> Now, there is a perceptive nine-year-old, amen, and she knows what grandma is all about. (laughs) But when we truly desire something, we'll, we'll pursue it. So if we're not pursuing something in our life, then maybe we do not desire it as much as we think we do. You know, I, I'm a guy that can, I mean, honestly, I could, I could worship two hours. I can't get some people to worship 10 minutes. I could worship two hours and not cry about the time, ever. I could sing one song for 30 minutes and never get bored. How could you sing one song at one for 30 minutes? Are you nuts? No, I'm not. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love with who I worship. We have a relationship outside of these walls right here. I can come in here and do that like nothing because of my relationship with him out there. Amen? I mean, I've learned how to lay on the floor for hours in his presence. I learned. I learned. It's progressive. Amen? Because the things we really want are the things we are pursuing. And I'm pursuing the finished work of the cross and all that we have already has been given to us. It's already here. It's already available. We must pursue it. Amen? And so today, as sons and daughters, it is manda- our mandate is to equip God's sons and daughters and children to arise and take their places as sons in heaven on earth and on earth, both relationally and responsibly, to equip the sons of God to manifest on heaven and earth. So I plan this fall. I don't know when I'm going to do it. Maybe I won't do it. Maybe I'll do it next year, but... I'm going to have some kind of a deeper dive swimming in the river, Ezekiel 47, fourth stage of Ezekiel 47. I'm in a river which I can't touch the bottom. I can only swim with the Holy Spirit kind of meetings. I've got stuff. I've got stuff God's given me. I don't share at this pulpit ever, but I'm going to start sharing it. And uh, it's going to be a closed meeting. I'm not going to open it up for anybody, but all of you are invited because you're a part of my congregation. But I'm not going to invite, I'm not going to invite just anybody because I don't want anybody who are skepticals to be around. Because, I mean, I've been in places where I've been in a room with 12 people and I said, it's time to go. We're going up. And we all went up together, all 12 of us. It's possible. And if God wants it to make it 100 or 150 or 200, then we'll all go together. Amen? But wants something to manifest on our earth, is, it's our spiritual responsibility to establish heaven with the authority that we have been given as sons and daughters. Because once we get this revelation, 
we do become responsible to administrate heaven on earth so that those around us can be blessed as well. I mean, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, when we were in Myrtle Beach, I mean, and as, as strong as some of those leaders were, they were wondering what was going on with us. I said, well, the atmosphere at our place is different. How many of you know the atmosphere is different here? I mean, we have people come in just to the daycare on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday, walk into the building and say, what's that? I mean, we had a mother with like three Muslim children come in and say, when I walked through the doors, I felt the love. I could not stop the love. And, and, and my wife asked, why are you signing up in a Christian daycare? She says, because I know my children will be safe here because I could feel the love of God. <laughs> See, God wants heaven to manifest through us on the earth because heaven, heaven and earth are one right now. They're one. They're not separate. We are God's conduit as he lives his life through us. We need to cry out for the freedom of those around us as we understand who we are as sons of God living in heavenly realms to establish heaven and earth through what the Bible calls a new order of the ecclesia, which is the church, representing heaven on earth to the world. And if it's just a handful of us for now, I'm okay. I'm okay. Amen? But God's still going to get the glory. And today and every day, we can engage our Heavenly Father in our earthly spiritual dimension, and we can continually be affirmed as sons of God, living under an open heaven, just as Jesus was affirmed by his own Father when the Father says, this is my beloved Son in who I am well pleased. That was said in Matthew 3.17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in who I am well pleased. Matthew 3.17. And now God wants to say the same thing to each of us, even to you, every one of us, that he, we are his beloved sons and who I am well pleased. You have to start listening. You've got to start listening to the voice of God speak to you. Sometimes you might have to shut off, you know, or take the earbuds out of your ear to hear it, you know, to hear that still quiet voice. But each of us is his beloved child, his beloved son or daughter, so each of us can receive the outwork of the desire and the pleasure of his heart to affirm us and call us into sonship, because that's where he's taken us, to be mature sons and daughters of God. Because we are currently living under an open heaven, and we can all receive the Father's affirmation daily. Sometimes I hear it so much, I, you know, it's like, wow, <laughs> I'm full. And here's where you hear the Father speak to you daily. I got something for you. You are my son, and in you I am well pleased. That's what he'll say to you. He'll say to you, you bring me great joy. You bring me great joy. My soul delights in you. I have great delight in you. In you is my delight. See, the encounters Jesus had with his father in this realm were progressive. Matthew 17 says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured. How do you know what that means? He changed substance before them, and his face shone like the sun and his, and his clothes became as white as light, as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. We need to build a big church here with about 25 or 30,000 people. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, Be quiet, Peter. I put that in there for you. 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. We don't need any of your big ideas. I mean, we can get it done with just a few. Just a small. How many ever looked up the word remnant? It just means a few. It doesn't mean thousands. And this same goes for us in our sonship. It's not just one-time engagement of experience, but rather a progressive, ongoing relationship daily. And as we are receiving these progressive engagements with the Father, we will begin to shine, Jesus, shine, and radiate the light until we begin to be transfigured as well. And when we see Jesus in the Bible with the Father, it's not a Jesus thing, but rather Jesus demonstrating to us what sonship is all about on a daily basis. What sonship is about on a daily basis. Being transformed to radiate the light of God and others around us. And it's about others. I'll tell you. And when you're radiating, <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't have to say nothing. They'll look at you like you're deer at headlights. You know, I told you about those experiences I had at the post office. I take, go to the box, unload, unload the box, put it on top of the table, stand there. A woman will come and she'll stand on the other side and do her little deal with her stuff. she look at me and start crying. I didn't tell her to cry. I says, are you okay? She says, all of a sudden, when I looked at you, I knew I had to ask God to forgive me of all my sins. I didn't say one word. I just stood there. After I'd left the presence of God, of course, for the first three hours of my day. Amen? Spending time with God is important. Sometimes when I'm with God, I don't say nothing. I got too big. My ears are like giant because I want to hear what he has to say. Do you ever try to pray? And you know it's time to go to prayer. Do you ever go try to pray? <clears throat> and as soon as you start to get into the prayer room, you all of a sudden hear about the thousand things you should have done yesterday. Anybody? You know how you diffuse that? You take a piece of paper and a pen with you, and you mark them down real quick, and then you keep moving on. Amen? Because sometimes it's just the flesh. Just the flesh. But the Spirit of God <clears throat> is beginning to release the radiant life from within us to those around us. And we, can't, we have to stop concealing it. We have to let it out. We've got to let it out. Amen? And when people want to know something, be quick to answer. Give them an answer. You know, give them an answer. If you don't know what to say, just lay your hands out. Can I, say, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Just start praying for them. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. I mean, sometimes when I pray for people that I don't know, I don't even know what I said. And they're like, wow, that was the greatest prayer I ever heard. I said, you said, what? Because <laughs> it's not me. It's him. Amen. did for me 
great.